You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. I beat Stop Singer. Toss on off the first in time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye baseball. Straight away center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Welcome back, Seattle Mariners baseball podcast at Mariners Pod at Gary Hill Jr. Thanks for coming back. Hope you had a good weekend. Mariners, well, they had a good ending to the weekend. We'll talk about that coming up as the Mariners lose two of three to the Texas Rangers. Review those games, have some sound, have some highlights. Mariners did win yesterday to salvage the finale, so we have that coming up. Get you ready for the Detroit Tigers coming to town. Long homestand coming up for the M's. And what uh, should be a very fun weekend as well. Felix Hernandez back on Friday as he pitched really well again for the Rainiers over the weekend. Uh, Iwakuma probably back as well over the weekend. So this is good stuff. Segura back most likely. I mean, this is... Starting to get very, very healthy, which is great news. So great, great, great anticipation for this homestand coming up. Also, Dave Sims, a very important conversation coming up in this podcast that we'll hear. The week that was will be here as well. And Eric Nadell, the Hall of Fame broadcaster for the Texas Rangers. I think a really interesting conversation when he talks about the Rangers, who the Mayors hadn't seen in a while. Uh, before this weekend, but also shares some of his memories of uh, the Mariners in their 40th year of Seattle Mariners baseball. And he shares a couple of really great stories. So that comes up towards the end of the podcast as well. There's a rocky start to the weekend, though, for the Mariners. And uh, uh, it continued a trend that Bergman was able to finally break up on Sunday, but the starting pitching through this turn in the rotation had really struggled. The five starters through this turn, a combined 13-and-a-half ERA, and Paxton just didn't have it against the Rangers on Friday with three and two-thirds, allowed seven earned runs as Texas really jumped on the Mariners, a five-run third, a two-run fourth. They added three more in the sixth, and they were off and running as they won game one of the series 10-4. to four. Game two of the series was interesting. Gallardo was on the hill, and we've seen it at times this year where, especially in the first inning, he really has struggled, and he did in this case. Ends up going five innings, but gave up five earned. But five those five earned in the first inning. Now, the Mariners able to crawl back and get close after picking off one in the third, but then they scored three in the sixth, and they did it on one swing of the bat. Mike Zanino continues to stay hot the three two swing of this is muscled out to center field it's up in the breeze it is going it is going it is gone crushed deep into the batter's eye 
Mike Zanino with a three-run smash here in the sixth inning. It comes with one out. And Zanino now has 22 runs batted in in the month of June. That is a new franchise record for a catcher in any single month. And he still has some time to add on to that as well. I was diving into that, and it's pretty impressive. Dan Wilson, the previous tie, in April of 96, he had 21. Miguel Olivo had 19 in June of 2011. Kenji Jojima had 19 in May 2007. And Dave Valley had 19 in September of 1991. And Mike Zanino has zoomed by them all and has a chance to add on more as he continues to have a ridiculous month. And in case you're wondering... He still has a ways to go to the Mariners record for a month. The Mariners RBI record for a month is 33. And what's interesting about it, three different players did it, but they all did it in 1995. Two of them in the same month. (laughs) Edgar Martinez and Mike Blowers in 1995 both drove in 33 runs Edgar had just an all-time month. He batted 398. He had nine homers, whacked 11 doubles. He had 39 hits, and he had 31 walks. His on-base percentage for the month was 560. OPS of 1.345. He slugged 786. I mean, there just was no getting him out in 1995. And I've talked about uh, in the in that month of August, but I've talked about his 95 in general. That was an all-time great year when you look back at what he did in 95. So Blow in that year, in that month rather, hit 283. He hit nine home runs. He walked 18 times and drove in 33, also seven doubles. As you can imagine, base runners everywhere. Jay Buhner the next month in September had 33 RBIs. He had 14 homers for the month, which was pretty incredible. Uh, not far off that, 32 RBIs. So Edgar in June of 95, he had 32 ribbies. And again, just a ridiculous month. He had 402 in June of 95. He walked 28 times at 37 hits, eight homers, nine doubles, an on-base percentage of 537, which is just ridiculous. Ken Griffey Jr., May of 97, had 32 ribbies, and Edgar, May of 2000, had 32 RBIs, a month where he batted a month where he batted 441, 10 homers, eight doubles, 15 walks, on base percentage of 508. And when it comes to Edgar and RBIs, you may be asking, because if you're following along Nelson Cruz, too, he's leading the American League in RBIs, and he's, of course, having a great season for the Mariners. And we're still a ways from the All-Star break, but he's got 53 RBIs to lead the American League. So if you are wondering, well, what is the most... RBIs Mariners had before the All-Star break. And some of you may know this, some of you may not. And for those of you that do not know this, this may come as a shock just 
in terms of the the number because it it's huge. It's Edgar Martinez, and I just mentioned the year he did it, the year 2000. Edgar Martinez in 2000 at the All-Star break had 87 RBIs. In 79 games, he had 354, 23 homers, 20 doubles, 50 walks, 101 hits. Had an on-base percentage of 447, and he drove in a Mariners record 87 runs in the first half of the season. A couple other guys were close. Brett Boone had 84 in 2001. Griffey had 84 in 97. They both played 84 games, though. Seven more games than Edgar played in 2000. Griffey was the only other one to top 80 as well. In 1999, he had 81 ribbies in the first half. He did that in 85 games. So pretty incredible stuff. I just look at those numbers. They're just out of control. In fact, Edgar, not real close to the all-time, but in the mix for most RBIs before the All-Star break. The most, Lou Gehrig, 102 before the All-Star break in 1927. But what Edgar did with 87, it puts him in the top 30 all-time before the All-Star break, which is pretty impressive. There's been three players that have crossed over 100. Hank Greenberg, 101 in 1935, and Juan Gonzalez at 101 in 1998 for the Texas Rangers. So pretty interesting stuff. I know I just got totally sidetracked i think we started with a mike zanino home run and we ended up going down a really different road but that's what happened so the mariners in the ball game getting back to the ball game that i think we started a while ago uh mariners with that three-run home run cut it close to five to four but then texas jumped all over alta villa they put a five spot on the board in the sixth and they went again identical numbers ten to four and again, for the second game in a row, really the fifth game in a row at that point, Mariners starters struggled. They didn't, I mean, game three matchup, Darvish against Bergman, not great on paper with how good Darvish has been this season, one of the best there is in the American League. Bergman coming off a start where really struggled, but the Mariners able to reverse things in game three of the series, and they were the ones that jumped all over the Rangers early. Here's the pitch on the way, swing and a drive down the right field line. This one is going and going off the top of the wall. Fair ball. Gamble rounding third. He'll score around to third. Hanniger in at second. Kyle Seeger with a two-out RBI double. He was green-lighted on 3-0. The extra base hit. The run batted in. And the Mariners have a 1-0 lead. And Valencia comes through with a big knock to make it a Four run first. The windup and the three one swing and a drive deep into the gap in left center field going and going. Goodbye baseball into the Mariners bullpen a two out two run home run for Danny Valencia his seventh of the season with Kyle Seager aboard and it's now the Mariners four and the Rangers nothing here in the top of the first and that ball got out of here in a hurry. And Kyle Seager I mean, he had a big day offensively. Three RBI doubles. Seager swings and pulls it. 
a fair ball. It bounces over first base, over the umpire's head at first, who had to duck for cover. This rolls all the way into the corner in right field. Seager is to second, and now turning into third. As Cruz has scored, Chu lifted up his arms in right field as if to say that that ball got pinned. But Seager is at third, and Nelson Cruz has crossed home plate. It's 5-2 Mariners. Actually, really easily could have been a triple. I mean, the ball was under the wall that he easily grabbed, but threw up his arms first. So Seager gets a double. He becomes just the third Mariner ever to have three RBI doubles in a ball game. And the only other two were a long time ago. Alvin Davis in April of 1984 and Steve Henderson May of 1983. So it's been a long time. So Kyle Seager, three RBI doubles in the ball game. He had a huge game, but Bergman was really the story for this one. Gave the Mariners a really good start and a badly needed start. He ends up going Five and two-thirds, four hits, two runs earned, two walks, and a strikeout. Gives up a home run on 77 pitches. He allowed the Mariners to win this game. And the other key, and a big key, Nick Vincent, with the bases loaded, got a key out in the seventh inning to keep the Rangers off the board. Vincent, an inning and a third, no hits, no runs, one walk, and one strikeout. And you can really start to marvel at what Nick Vincent has done out of the bullpen He gave up three earned runs in his first three outings of the season. Since then, so since April 11th, this is a long time, he's given up three earned in 24 innings, a 1.13 ERA. And those three earned came in one appearance. So 24 of his last 25 appearances have been scoreless. And he's pitched in some pretty high leverage situations over those times. He has been massive for the Mariners, and he helped the Mariners get a win yesterday. He was huge. The Mariners did get the win yesterday, and a much-needed win, 7-3 to three over the Rangers to take the finale. Now 34-37, and 37, Rangers even at 34-34. and 34. Here is the skipper after the ballgame. Well, it seems like this game really did come down to the seventh inning of that. The ability of Nick Vincent to get that out to keep things under control. Yeah, Nick did an awesome job. Uh, you know, can't say enough to bring him in in that situation. And, you know, the, the walk to Andrews, but then he made pitches to Mazzara and eventually went to a changeup to, to get the fly ball. So, uh, uh, huge job by him. You know, some things. I thought we were in great shape and it started to get away from us a little bit there with the hit by pitch and the walk and, you know, another walk. So, uh, you know, somebody need to lock it down, and, and Nick stepped up today. It was big. Even on the at-bat to Andrews, so it looked like he didn't get a call on a couple of those early pitches. He could have unraveled there. Yeah, you know, it happens. You know, it's part of the game. you got to deal with the, maybe not getting the call on, on the edges once in a while. But uh, nothing really faces Vincent. But a uh, really good job by Bergman tonight. I don't want to go any farther. I mean, Bergie, we needed somebody to go out and give us innings, keep us in the ball game. Uh, did a really good job mixing his pitches through few more curveballs and some more off-speed stuff today to, to help him out. Uh, and it was huge, you know, to get us in the dugout. And obviously, Seager had a big day. Uh, you know, Valencia home run off Darvish, you know, big shot in the arm there as well. So, you know, the guys really stepped up today. It was toasty out there, there's no doubt. Uh, but it's kind of one of those gut-check games, you know. Uh, you know you're going to be in it. You know it's going to be hot. you got to find a way against, you know, undoubtedly their best pitcher. And, and we got it done today. Where can we get another one? Excuse me? Bergman get another one? You know, we'll wait and see. We've got guys coming back. Uh, we'll talk about it when we get back to Seattle. But uh, he's done a great job for us. I know he's had a couple where he stubbed his toe and 
they put big numbers up on him. For the most part, though, he's been very consistent. He throws the ball over the plate, and you know when he's when he's on the edges or has good command of his fastball and cutter, you know, good things usually happen. So we'll see. And that was the last outing too. He had that tough outing to bounce back. What does that say to you that he is able to make that adjustment? Well, Chris burgie has been through the wars. You know, he's had a few tough outings throughout his career, and you know that's how you keep pitching and you stay alive in this game. You have to bounce back. You got to have a short memory. Try to learn from it, but you know, put it to the side and. I really felt today our, our team really pulled together. Guys were pulling for each other. The energy was good after a couple of really rough days here. So, uh, good sign. Nice to get back home. The weather will be a little bit more accommodating and uh, hopefully, you know, pick it up. Ben Gamble came out early. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, a couple, couple different things. Uh, Guillermo Heredia is an outstanding defender. Uh, you know, the sun here is very, very difficult. And uh, we talked about it as a staff, and I'll be dang if the guy didn't hit the second ball right in the sun, and already was right there. So that was the only reason for it. Ben's been playing awesome. Um, understood where we we're at. We just put the you know already out there, and just in case. And lo and behold, there was a ball right in the sun. Seems like Kyle's had a series where he just hit the ball at, at, the, at their shift a bunch of times. Today, just put them where they yeah, you know, the, the three you know RBI doubles were big. Certainly the last one might have been the biggest one. You know, we need a little bit more cushion there, but uh, and was aggressive early in the game. When he got he got in good hitting counts today, and when Kyle gets in a good count, you know he puts a good swing on uh, on fastballs, and you know, he did a great job today. He made Darvish work too. I think ninety nine pitches in five innings. Yeah, really, really good. You know, a lot of long at bats. You know, the walks. Even you know when you're not getting positive results, you know the value of six, seven, eight pitch at bats is huge, especially a guy like that on a day like today when it's, when it's so warm out there. You're able to do that twice in this road trip. Two very tough pitchers. You were able to get out. And yeah, you know Santana and Darvish two of the better right-handers in the league. Um, our guys are up for the challenge. They know that. Um, one thing, you know, our guys are prepared. Uh, they have, uh, you know, once you've got a game plan, you know a guy, and the guys, a lot of our guys have faced him a bunch. It's a little bit more comfortable than facing Berrios or whatever over with the Twins that we've never seen before. So, again, Santana, you know, Darvish, a couple of the better ones in the league. But our guys are ready. They're ready to go. All right, so a nice win for the Mariners. Now return home for a nine-game homestand. Some players coming back as well. Before we talk about that, let's look at the landscape. As the Tigers come in for four, and baseball is looking very strange. The National League and the American League are completely different looking at things. National League right now, you've got Washington leading the East, Milwaukee in the Central, Colorado in the West. You've got Arizona and the Dodgers holding down the first two wildcard positions. So both teams blazing hot. Arizona's won seven in a row. Dodgers, they've won three in a row. They're nine and one in their last ten. Colorado's won five in a row. The West is really rolling. But Dodgers with the second wild card, the next closest team, actually Dodgers and Arizona are tied for the wild cards. The next closest team, the Cubs at 500, are nine games back. The Braves are 12, Mets 12, Cardinals 12, and so on. The American League, completely different. Where right now you've got the Yankees by percentage points leading the East. Cleveland has moved into first for the Central, and Houston still leads the West, which leaves uh, Boston holding down the first wild card, and Tampa Bay with the second wild card right now in 37 and 35. But in contrast to the National League, every single team in the American League is within four and a half games of the second wild card. 
every team. The A's have won four in a row. They're four and a half back of the second wild card. I mean, I don't know how this is going to shake out, but seemingly every team is floating around 500. So I keep saying it. Every series against an American League team at this point is important. And the one against Detroit at home, four games, is important. Detroit comes in 32-36 and 36 on the season. They've lost two in a row. And they're just 3-7 and seven in their last 10. That's all it takes. They were up you know, near the second wild card slot. You go on a 10-game skid where you go 3-7, and seven, you find yourselves back towards the bottom of this whole mix. I mean, it's just kind of a roller coaster ride right now. Yankees have lost six in a row all of a sudden. They've been pulled back to the pack. Twins have lost four in a row. They've lost their slot in the Central, and also they're out of the wild card mix, a half game back now. Baltimore, you know, three and seven in their last ten, but they've won two in a row, so they've pushed back towards the front. It is just going to be wild the rest of the way. So here's what we have in store for Detroit. Anibal Sanchez just got called up. He's going to get his first start of the year. Detroit has had some struggles in their rotation. So Sanchez will get the ball. He's had struggles on his own. 0-0 zero zero with a 9.00 ERA on the season. He's given up a ton of long balls uh, out of the bullpen, obviously. But see if the Mariners can get the offense ignited against Sanchez. Second game, Jordan Zimmerman, he's had his struggles as well. 5-5 five and five with a 5-3-5 ERA. Ariel Miranda will go in game two. Oh, yeah, Sam Gavilio will go tonight. 7-10 first pitch. In fact, Monday through Thursday, every first pitch at 7-10. Verlander will get the ball on Wednesday against Paxton. That has potential to be a beauty. And then Thursday, Daniel Norris, lefty against Gallardo in game four of the series. Tigers, a team that has really struggled out of the bullpen uh, at the back end for a lot of this season. Francisco Rodriguez has lost his job as closer. The guy taking over, though, has pitched really well. The, the two Wilsons actually have pitched really well. Justin Wilson has taken over as closer, 267 ERA. And Alex Wilson has been the setup man, 303. And actually, Shane Green has had a pretty good season as well. So those three have been pretty good. So if you're down to the Tigers late, it's tough sledding. The rotation has struggled. Matt Boyd has been sent down, 5-6-9 ERA in 11 starts. Mariners will miss their best starter this year. Michael Fulmer has been really good this season, but the Mariners will miss him. Uh, offensively, of course, it revolves around Cabrera, and he's having a Cabrera-type season. Despite being kind of banged up as we've moved through this year, he continues to stay in the lineup for the most part. He's missed... Some games, 54 games so far, batting 280, seven home runs, 15 doubles so far this season. It should be noted, J.D. Martinez is back, and he is lashing the ball everywhere in just 33 games. He's already belted 11 homers, seven doubles, batting 310. Victor Martinez has gone to the DL, although he wasn't having an outstanding year. And Justin Upton you know, leading the team in home runs with 13. Ian Kinsler hovering around 250 batting average. He's got 10 doubles and five home runs. So 
Still a lineup that certainly can be dangerous. We'll see if the Mariners can ignite the offense at Safeco Field and get this homestand rolling and try and get some momentum going at home, a place where they've played very well so far this season. Hope to see you at Safeco Field for this four-game series against the Detroit Tigers. So you're all set. 7-10 first pitch tonight. Right now, very important conversation. Dave Sims with Michael Milken. Visiting with Michael Milken, founder of the Prostate Cancer Foundation. It is time to talk about awareness, folks. As you know, Dave Sims, I'm a prostate cancer survivor. So is Michael Milken. Let's talk about your awareness program and what you're doing, your, your, your work with Major League Baseball again. It's always good to see you. This is the 22nd year. We started with the idea of keeping dad in the game, come out to the ballpark, remind your buddy, father, uncle, get that simple blood test for prostate cancer. And I'm happy to report to you today, 22 years later, that the death rate has dropped by more than 50%, and there's a million and a half men alive in America today uh, because of that drop in the death rate. Going to listen to you on the broadcast tonight. Well, I'm glad to be part of that number, as, as are you. Uh, get, give the folks an idea of the things, that, the initiatives that you guys continue with Major League Baseball. Well, the Home Run Challenge, you can go to homerunchallenge.org, pledge money for home runs hit. This year with Major League Baseball and the Mariners, every game, every home run from June 1st to June 18th, there's going to be probably about 550 of them. So if you pledge a dollar, that'll be $550. And we get matches at 15 to 1. And that has created six new drugs have been approved. So even men that have had advanced cancer, failed surgery, failed hormones, failed radiation can live normal lives. That is a great thing, let me tell you. Let me tell you. I had the Da the, the Vinci robotic prostatectomy and everything has, has worked that well. And that was about a year and change ago. How about you? When did you have your operation? I was diagnosed in 93 and the prostate cancer had spread through my body. So I might be the happiest guy in the ballpark here tonight, but that's what advanced treatments have done. And one of the interesting things we discovered by doing genetics is that one of the forms of prostate cancer matches up against the mutations for all colon cancer deaths. So you eliminate that issue of prostate cancer, you're gonna eliminate almost all colon cancer. And it also matches up against close to the most deadly form of breast cancer, triple negative. If we can eliminate that form of prostate cancer, we're gonna eliminate most of the deaths from triple net breast cancer. Where's your next uh, stop on your tour? Our next stop on this tour is Washington, D.C. Uh, and then we go from Washington to the White Sox, the White Sox to Boston, Boston to San Francisco. And as you know, we see all 30 teams play. But we've seen some unbelievable games in this stadium. And the Mariners are 12 and 9 on the previous 21 <laughs> years. So we've got you with a pretty good percentage right, here. We'll take it. We'll take it. And we'll just remember homerunchallenge.org. Keep Dad in the game. All right, Michael, thank you. Good to see you as always. Good to see you. And Aaron Goldsmith with Rangers play-by-play man, Hall of Famer, Eric Nadell. Eric, it's good to finally be here in Arlington, Texas. First visit for the Mariners this year. The Mariners and the Rangers both trying to do the same thing, track down the Houston Astros. And for Texas, some reinforcements today, a host of roster moves. Can you tell me about all the things, good things happening for the Rangers today? Well, I think most important, they finally have Tyson Ross into the rotation. 
you know, the Rangers projected a five-man rotation eventually with Ross and Kashner plus Perez, Darvish, and Hamels. Finally, the five guys have pitched for them, although Hamels is on the DL now. But what has made the Rangers survive is the fact that in the game started by the other five, the Rangers are 13-8. and eight. And otherwise, this team would be so far underwater, they wouldn't even be talking about the wild card race. So that's the biggest thing about today. Carlos Gomez comes back. He had started playing really well when he got hurt, and he's been out for a month. And Napoli never really has gotten hot this year. He comes back today, too. Against a lefty like Paxton, having Gomez in Napoli should help. The Rangers have improved a little bit lately against lefties, but they're still much less productive this year against lefties than righties. Eric, over the course of your Hall of Fame career, you have seen a lot of Rangers-Mariners baseball. This is, after all, the 40th year of the franchise. What are some of the most interesting Mariners memories that come to mind when you think about Rangers and Mariners over the course of your career? I actually have a lot of them. The first thing that comes to mind is in uh, 1996, with two weeks to go in the season, the Rangers went into the Kingdom with a lead, I think, of six games and proceeded to lose all four games of a four-game series to the Mariners with the lead shrinking to two games. At one point, I think it had been 10. And the Ranger team was so tight, I've never seen anything quite like it. And it was almost like it didn't matter what the Mariners did. They were going to win that series. Rangers somehow managed to survive, hold on, and win the division. But that's the first thing that comes to mind, how uncomfortable it was playing in the kingdom against that particular team. Um, for me personally, my first home run call ever was at the kingdom. And it was a ball that I thought was either going to be a, a caught pop-up or a foul ball. Johnny Grubb, a left-handed batter, sliced a high pop-up down the left field line. I'm pretty sure Dan Meyer was the left fielder. You know, and the call was something like, there's a swing and there's a high pop fly down the left field line. <laughs> it is fading. It is history. <laughs> and that was the first time I ever said that ball is history. And it was on a ball that I thought had no chance of being <laughs> a home run. Other than that, though, two other memories I got to mention. The Spider-Man catch by Ken Griffey Jr. on Ruben Sierra. Still the greatest catch I've ever seen. I can't imagine anything will ever surpass it. And uh, a, bit of, uh, a bit of an incident involving Dave Valley. And Bobby Valentine, where there was some, uh, there was a beanball thing going on, and Valley and Valentine wound up pointing at each other and having to be separated. And that was uh, that was at our old ballpark, and that was uh, something I'll never forget. Oh, we love Val. We'll have to ask Val about that at some point. I imagine he'll remember it. <laughs> hey, inside the Mariners' dugout tonight, as every night, Edgar Martinez, who we have seen his Hall of Fame candidacy grow each and every season. What are your memories of watching? What was one of the best right-handed hitters of his generation? I absolutely hated seeing him coming up against the Rangers. He was the guy in that lineup, probably even more than Junior, who, who you feared in a big situation. And that was before a lot of guys, right-handed batters, hit the ball a lot to the opposite field. I would say that until Miguel Cabrera came along, Edgar was the single best opposite field right-handed hitter I had ever seen. He still might be, but... Um, maybe Cabrera with a little more power, a little more home run power has surpassed him. But that's the thing I remember most about Edgar. And a few doubles along the way. <laughs> yeah. Eric, it's always good to catch up with you. It's good to be in Texas. Thanks for the time. Yeah, you guys waited till just the right time. I believe this is the hottest day of the year. And now time for the week that was. This is the week that was. A look back on highlights and events of the Mariners past week. On Mariners Magazine. 
2-1 pitch on the way. Hanniger with a swing and a drive. Center feeling deep. Buxton going back on the run, and this one is going to be on the track and bounces over the wall in straightaway center field, and only two runs will score. Holy smokes, Mitch Hanniger with a ground rule double to straightaway center field. I just like to really focus on what I'm doing, not so much what the pitcher's doing. So for me, you know, whether I just I'm just hunting my fastball, hunting my pitch where I want it, and not giving in on close, you know, close pitches and pitchers' pitches. And you know, I had a bad yesterday where I struck out, and I really don't think I had a good pitch to drive. And you know, as frustrating as that can be, I'm okay with that because you know I was ready for my pitch, and if I were to get it, I, you know, I'm looking to put a good swing on it and hit the ball hard. And if you don't, you just kind of grind and battle and. You know, sometimes you don't you don't get something good to hit. Here's the pitch to Mike Zunino with a swing and a high fly ball deep into the gap left center field. Back she goes. Goodbye baseball. Mike Zunino with a home run. Back to back home runs by Danny Valencia and Mike Zunino. This one out to the double deck bullpens out there. Pitch the Seeger swung on well hit ball down the right field line. It's going to be 14 to 3. Cruz rounding third. He'll score easily up with the ball is Kepler the throw to second. Kyle Seeger with an RBI single scoring Nelson Cruz and now it's 14 to 3. Uh, outstanding offensive nine. We certainly you know we got silenced a little bit at home in the Toronto series so uh, not totally surprising you know we bounce back tonight. But a lot of good at bats um, up and down the lineup we get about two out clutch hits of guys in scoring position so it's a great night. Here's the pitch and it's a strike three called on the inside corner. So Carlos Ruiz with his first strikeout in relief. He strikes out Kenny Vargas. The next offer swing and a drive deep to left field. Rosario backing up to the one track and this one is gone. Goodbye baseball. Mitch Hanniger with a two run home run to straightaway left field. Here in the top of the first inning with Ben Gamble aboard number five on the year for Hanniger. And the Mariners with a 2-0 lead. Santana's first pitch to Zanino. Swing, and this is rifled high. Deep left field. Forget about it. This is crushed, and it's off the ribbon board. And left center, and it caroms back out of the field. in center field. Zanino's six of the season is obliterated. The Mariners now lead it 5 to nothing on two home runs. The 0-1 pitch. Maurer is swinging a fly ball deep down the left field line and toward the corner. Gamble running out of room. Leaps up and does he make the catch? He disappears. It's a foul ball. And he caught the ball. We could not see him from up here, but Ben Gamble made an incredible catch. Gamble went way back into the left field corner, down the line in foul territory, slammed into the wall going down the left field line. I know the wall got me pretty good, so <laughs> I know this spins off the wall or something. I don't know, my hat ended up in the crowd. I don't know. I didn't feel good. <laughs> Diaz looks in, the sign from Zunino. The set and the one-two pitch, swinging a fly ball into center field. Going back is Dyson. He's there. He makes the catch and the ball game is over. The Mariners win it. Six to four over the Minnesota Twins. And the Twins leave the tying runs aboard here in the bottom of the ninth inning. The 3 2. Swing of this is muscled out to center field. It's up in the breeze. It is gone. Crushed deep into the batter's eye. Mike Zanino with a three run smash here in the sixth inning. It comes with one out. And Zanino now has 22 runs batted in in the month of June. That is a new franchise record for a catcher in any single month. See you later! 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.